Welcome from all of us at Albuquerque Reformed Church, a particular congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church located in New Mexico. We thank you for joining us for this week's sermon. For more information about Albuquerque Reformed Church or to contribute to its ministry, visit abqreformed.org. And now, we invite you to open your Bible and listen to the preached word. So today we are going to look at uh, Psalm 19. Now, uh, Psalms are pretty unusual uh, compared to uh, all other books of the Bible. Most most books of the Bible or epistles uh, have this uh, narrative which it uh, carries forward throughout the book uh, or... uh, or throughout the epistle, there is a single narrative in most of the books of the Bible. That's what we find it. And each chapter builds on the previous one. But uh, psalms are different. Uh, each psalm is a special unit in itself. There are psalms in which the psalmist is praising God. Uh, he is praising God. He is glorifying God uh, for who God is. Uh, God is, for who God uh, is. But at the same time, then there are uh, psalms in which the psalmist is confused and perplexed and troubled and uh, he is lamenting. He is lamenting. Mm-hmm. And is this not how our lives are? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. There are times of uh, great joy and excitement. We think uh, great uh, thoughts of God and we meditate, and we are pretty happy. Yes. But other times? Not so much. Not so much. <laughs> That's true. We are confused. It's like, Lord, what is happening in our lives? <laughs> we are perplexed, and uh, sometimes we are saddened. Yes. So in that way, Psalms help us to lament when we go through those situations in life. Yes. Uh, we can lament. Uh, we can uh, we can ask God, God uh, help us. I don't understand this situation, and sometimes uh, we don't find the answer so easily. We look for the answers, uh, but we don't find. We pray repeatedly, but we don't find the answers. So in Psalms, uh, this is the interesting thing. You can sometimes, uh, you know, whatever situation you are going through. You can find yourself uh, agreeing with the psalmist. You find that psalm and you can find agreeing with the psalmist. And psalms help us whether you lament or whether you praise God. You know, our words are inadequate. Uh, my words are inadequate. Uh, it's not sufficient. And psalms help us, helps us uh, to praise God or to lament about our situation. And uh, this is the reality of life uh, we live in. And psalms helps us in that way. So that's why I thought uh, the first day of the new year. So let me begin with a psalm. Now, it's interestingly, today is the first day of this new year. At the same time, first Lord's Day, both is, you know, simultaneously has fallen on the same day. And in, in that sense, it's a blessed day to come to church on the first day of the year and begin our year in this uh, way. And... And in this psalm, uh, what psalm is, uh, it's, it's the psalm of David. It's David who has written this psalm. And uh, he is reminding his people, he is reminding us that the God of the Bible speaks. He speaks as simple as it sounds. 
the God of the Bible speaks. A year and a half ago, I was listening to a testimony of a of a girl uh, and who was narrating how she came to believe in the God of the Bible. Now, she grew up in a different culture and she grew up believing in a uh, different God. Uh, she grew up very spiritual. She was always uh, very spiritual. She always wanted to find uh, who the true God is. Uh, but her idol gods are idols. At the end of the day, they have mouths, they do not speak. They have ears, they do not hear. They have uh, hands, but they do not work. So she was always like, kind of like, these idols don't speak to me. But when she started reading the Bible, she suddenly realized that the God of the Bible speaks. Yeah. It's like not literally, but at the same time in her heart, the God of the Bible was speaking to her. See, that's the beauty of the Word of God. That's the beauty of the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible speaks. The idol idols never speaks, but the God of the Bible speaks. And this is the theme of the psalmist. In this psalm, God's voice in nature and scripture. God speaks to his people through what he has made and through his word. And this is very clear. Now, if you look at uh, this psalm, uh, Psalm 19, we can divide verses 1 to 6 as God's voice in nature. And then verses uh, 7 to 14 as God's voice in scripture. God's voice in nature, verses 1 to 6, and God's voice in Scripture. And this is what uh, today afternoon we are going to look at uh, here in this psalm, God's voice in nature and God's voice in Scripture. Now the psalmist begins by saying that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. The Hebrew word for, uh, for glory is kavod, which means honor, uh, splendor, wealth, or weightiness. I like the term weightiness. Psalmist is saying that when you look into heavens, you are seeing the honor, strength, power, and weightiness of God. His power, his weightiness, and especially his skillfulness. You are seeing, you are looking at the skillfulness of God. When you look at a nice piece of art, you immediately say it is beautiful. Not only you say beautiful, but you also say the one who has made this art is really a skillful person. Without skill, you can't create a good art. You know, I know someone, uh, you know, uh, and that's true even for surgeries which doctors perform. Uh, You know, uh, I know a man who had a surgery in his right eye and whenever he goes to, you know, eye doctors uh, to show his eye, And whenever the eye doctors look inside his eye, they immediately say, oh, you had a surgery and whoever had done this surgery, he is really skillful. He has really done a good work and a good doctor, when he sees the, you know, when he sees the eye of this person, when he looks through it, he knows immediately. Like the person, whoever has done this, he has done a very good job. You know, he knows that he is a very skillful person. Whether it is art, whether it is surgery, or whether it is architecture, or or whatever it is, when you see a beautiful piece of things, when you see things, uh, you know, good things, you know that it is really done by a skillful person. Similarly, the heavens show the skillfulness and wisdom of God, and this is what the psalmist is reminding his people. 
is reminding us today that the heavens show the skillfulness and wisdom of God. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 19 and 20 says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. Heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Or in other words, they speak to the majesty of God. They speak to the majesty of God. The way the psalmist is speaking about what God has created, he has personified the creation. He has uh, personified the heavens, the heavens as great preachers. They mm-hmm. preach that if there is a creation, then there is a creator. That this is their message, that if there is a creation, there is a creator. If there is an order, then there is someone behind those laws and orders of nature. Heavens reflect his glory and sing to him in their splendor. And what they reflect and whom they speak about is so clear that anyone can understand it. David is not giving an argument for the existence of God here. For him, that is out of question. No argument for the existence of God. That is like, it's clear. Paul says in Romans 1 that everyone knows God. Everyone knows God. But the problem is not that, you know, it's not clear. You know, uh, God is not clear. The existence of God is not clear. The problem is not that. The problem is that, that Paul reminds us, shows us that everyone suppresses this truth in unrighteousness. There is unrighteousness in them. And that's why they knowingly suppress this truth of the knowledge of God. And instead of proving the existence of God, David is reflecting on the voice of God in what God has already created. And not only the voice of God, his attributes, his existence is very clear to all human beings. In verses 2 to 4, David is also showing us that this witness of God is universal in nature. It is universal in nature. That means people in every tribe, tongue, and nation understands that there is a God who made everything. Whether it is American or whether it is uh, Pakistani, whether it is Chinese or someone uh, far in some island, everyone knows that there is a God. The witness of God is universal in nature, there is no planet, there is no place on earth where the witness of God does not reach. And to prove this point, he points us to one example of creation, just one example. Just one example. He points us to the sun, verses uh, 5 and 6. He points us to the example of sun. The light and heat of the sun is universal in nature. He points... Uh, to the sun with a marriage imagery. For David, the sun is like a bridegroom who is ready to come out of his chamber every morning with great excitement. You know, someone uh, who had a a good marriage in his life, uh, he once commented, if I would have known that the marriage is so good, 
then i would have married straight out of kindergarten <laughs> you know he was so excited about his marriage and i think he was newly married and he was so excited and that's what uh, that's that's what he said and uh, this is the imagery david uses for the sun uh, look at verse 5 uh, verse 5 uh, you know in them he has set a tabernacle for the sun which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoicing like a strong man to run its race i think uh, again the he has personified the sun sun is like a strong ma- a strong man who likes to show up his muscles so to speak and every single day you know with great excitement the sun run runs its course its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end and there is nothing which is hidden from its heat at the same time have you ever wondered about the distance of the sun from the planet earth have you ever wondered if the sun would uh, go couple of a uh, million miles away from the planet earth what would happen we would freeze to we would uh, freeze to death yes mm-hmm. at the same time if that sun would uh, come closer by few uh, thousand miles few million miles to earth what would happen <laughs> we would all uh, scorch to death <laughs> uh, there won't be any uh, life on this planet earth god has perfectly placed the sun at a maximal setting which makes life possible on this planet earth it neither moves away nor comes uh, closer to earth neither it goes up neither it goes uh, neither it goes down it hangs on nothing neither it worries about its fuel being burned up there, there is no we don't fear about you know the fossil fuel being burned up or something like that when we talk about sun there is unlimited energy of the sun every single morning it rises up to give light and heat to the planet and in the evening it goes down it obeys its creator and the psalmist shows us that this witness of god in creation is universal and none can deny it none can deny it not only the voice of god is universal in nature but everyone knows that there is a god the very fact uh, uh, the very fact that from the ancient times every tribe tongue and culture has made and worshiped gods of their own testify to the fact that everyone knows that there is a god Amen. the very reason people everywhere make some kind of god is the uh, is the reason that they know god god consciousness is universal in nature people try to make god in their own image mm, yes to appease their guilty conscience yes people try to make god in their own image to appease their guilty conscience they know that there is a god and uh, uh, from them glory and honor is due to this god but they don't want to worship this god they don't want to glorify him so they make god in their own image so they could appease that guilty conscience in the beginning god created man in his own image but since then man is returning this favor by creating god in their own image so they could somehow appease their guilty conscience 
So everyone knows God and Psalmist is reminding us believers that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork, his skillfulness, his power, his wisdom and his knowledge and his knowledge. And this knowledge is universal in nature. But scripture also shows us uh, 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 scripture also shows us that God has not uh, God has not only spoken in his creation or through his creation, but he has also spoken spoken to us through his word. Now look at verses 7 to 14, God's voice in scripture, God's voice in scripture. Now in verses 7 to 11, David draws our attention to God's special revelation, that is the word of God. That is a scripture that is the scriptures which David had, and for us, it is the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. Now, Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter number one and paragraph one, uh, says, Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, Yet are they not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of his will, which is necessary unto salvation. That means God's voice, his witness in nature shows that there is a God. But that is not sufficient to give us the necessary knowledge for salvation. The voice and witness of God in nature sufficiently, sufficiently manifests the true and living God of the Bible but it is insufficient to give the knowledge of God necessary unto salvation. And that's why God has not left himself without a clear witness. He has right. given us uh, his word, his written word. Yes. Now in these three verses from uh, verses 7 to 9, six times David refers to God as Yahweh the covenant name of the God of Israel. In the first six verses, just one reference was made to God uh, in verse 1, referring to God as El. As El. But uh, here in these uh, three verses, six times, he uh, mentions the covenant name of God, Yahweh. And if you count the name of God in verse 14, then seven times he mentions the personal uh, name of God in verses 7 to 14. In effect, I think David is saying that the God who made the heavens and the earth is none other than the God of the Bible. It is not the God of Islam or it is not the, uh, the uh, thousands of gods of uh, Hinduism or any other pagan or idol God. It's the God of the Bible. It's the God of Israel who made the heaven and earth. All other gods were made by men in their own image. But it is God who made us. It is God who made the heaven and earth. And uh, that's what David is uh, pointing us today afternoon. Now in verses 7 to 9, if you look at uh, uh, these stanzas, he has poetically arranged this. We have uh, six titles, then six attributes of those titles, and 
six effects produced by the thing which it is referring to. The law of the Lord, that is a title. Perfect is the attribute and the effect converting the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. The same thing again. The testimony of the Lord, title is sure, the attribute, making wise the simple. That's the effect. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The law of the Lord, in, in verse 7, David shows us that God's word is perfect. That means it is free from error. People say there are errors in the Bible, but it is error in their mind. It is error in their understanding, the way they understand. They don't know how to understand the Bible. They don't know how to read the Bible and understand understand it. The error, it is in their mind. But but uh, the Word of God shows us that the God's Word is perfect. It is perfect, free from error, and it is powerful to convert the sinner. We read the book of nature, but the beauty of the Bible is that the book of Scripture reads us. It reads us. We read the book of nature, but the book of Scripture reads us. It reads all our thoughts and actions and intentions. It convicts us of our sin and misery and shows us that Jesus is the only Redeemer who could save us from the wrath of God and from our guilty conscience. Next, David says that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You know, some people say it's good to be simple and nice. He should be a simple person. Uh, but Bible shows us that simple people are those who allow all kinds of false worldviews and uh, into their mind and get deluded. It's the simple people who get deceived and deluded. Proverbs 14.15 says, The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. So it's not very wise to believe everything. It's not very smart thing to believe everything. And Proverbs 23 verse 3 says that they fall uh, uh, that they fall into traps and are punished. But David says that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That means a simple person will have a strong foundation when he meditates and obeys the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord will make him wise because the testimony of the Lord is sure. And then 8 and 9, God's word, then David uh, further shows us that God's word is perfect and sure, right, pure, clean, and trustworthy. It enlightens the eyes of everyone from darkness who meditates on it day and night. It's, it's a good thing for us, for believers, to read the word of God and meditate on it day and night. Yesterday, I was... Uh, thinking about my Bible reading plan for this uh, new year. And uh, because the uh, Bible speaks about the Word of God and so much, and it speaks about our need to meditate on it day and night, uh, it's a good thing for us uh, to read, uh, uh, not only to read it on a regular basis, but to have some plan. Yes. It's good to have a, a, good to make plan, and sometimes our plans fail. But it is it is a good thing yes. 
to make a reading list or a plan for the whole year and and this is and uh, this is one of the thing which i would uh, encourage all of you to do it for this uh, new year uh, there are all kinds of plan online which you could uh, look through it and uh, the one which works best for you uh, you pick that up and follow uh, throughout the year now uh, i have uh, read multiple times uh, the books of the bible chronologically and this time i was looking you know through some of the plans and one plan uh, came you know one plan was very interesting to me uh, you know what happens is most of the time what happens is uh, uh, you know we make new year resolutions and uh, we say to ourselves we are going to read uh, the whole bible in one single year and uh, we begin reading the books of the bible with a great uh, fanfare uh, first week and second week and third week and it goes well and uh, it comes you know when we read the book of leviticus okay <laughs> that's where our plan goes <laughs> or you jump, jump into the book of numbers <laughs> book of numbers that's where all our plans uh, go so i was uh, you know trying to find out a good plan which is kind of you know which would uh, you know keep me interested and then there is uh, there is uh, you know i come across this one plan so uh, one plan and what is different in this plan is that you have one different genre every single day of the week so one different genre every single day of the week so that means you are not going to stuck with one book for at least one or two months and you're kind of bored and then you leave that book but you have one single genre every day of the week so it goes something like this on sunday you would read from the epistles on monday you would read from the law on tuesday you would read from history on wednesday you read from the psalms on thursday you read from poetry on friday you read from prophecy and on saturday you read from the gospels so you are not stuck with uh, you know one particular genre for a long time and if that helps you maybe you should uh, pick uh, some uh, something like that nevertheless nevertheless whatever bible reading plan you may follow this year the whole point is that you should read the word of god you should read it and meditate on it yes. we sometimes lament about our culture the very reason where our culture is today is because of the low view of the word of god yes amen you know our culture has a very low view of the word of god and once upon a time it was very common for families to have family worship yes children grew in an environment where you know they heard the word of god read uh, on a daily basis yes but uh, with the advent of the age of internet and with uh, families breaking up that discipline has gone and that's one of the reason that's one of the reason out of many that uh, you know the society is crumbling and we lament about the society or children going astray uh, astray and that is one of the reason because uh, in our culture we have a low view of the word of god our children have time for all kinds of entertainment and pleasure but hardly you know parents uh, do not uh, exhort uh, children anymore to read the word of god but here david is showing us 
look at the worth of the scripture, the word of God in verses uh, 10 and 11. Uh, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Have you ever heard about uh, people who win millions of dollars in lotteries? You know, sometimes, uh, you know, I think once I read an article about them that uh, a good uh, number of them in five to seven years, all their wealth is gone, all their money is gone, they're back in the streets, they're back in huge debt. And sometimes, uh, you know, some of them have committed suicide or, you know, some of their family members have committed suicide. And they said afterwards, you know, uh, I wish if I could have tore that uh, the ticket on that particular day when I got it, because that became a curse to me. But, but that's that's true of everything in this world, you know. Uh, if we are not abiding in the word of God, if we are not trusting in God and His word, uh, it's all uh, it's all futile. Because the things of this world cannot give us true contentment, joy, and purpose. David says that the word of God rejoices the heart, enlightens the eyes, endures forever. It's the word of God which endures forever. All other things which all other things will perish. The word of God endures forever, and uh, and the righteous people uh, it enlightens and rejoices the hearts of the righteous people. It is more desirable than anything else in this world. It is more desirable than gold and best of the honey. And moreover, the saints of God are warned from all kinds of evil. And God has promised rewards for those who keep his word. In Psalm 19, this Psalm, David first speaks about nature in general. And then he moves moves, uh, into specifics. He moved, uh, you know... He spoke about the sun. And now here in this in this section, he is doing the same thing. He speaks about the word of God in general, verses 7 to 11. And now he moves into specific from verses 12 to 14. And here he specifically mentions the believer's struggle with secret sins. He specifically deals with believer's struggle with secret sins. And secret sins are so hideous in nature. Secret sins are so hideous in nature because we presume this these sins to be no sin at all. In verses 12 and 13, who can understand his errors? Cleans, cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. One of the things about secret sin is that it is so, uh, we presume these sins to be no sin at all. We begin to say to ourselves that even others are doing the same thing. That's what we say and convince our mind over a period of time. Uh, You know, the word of God convicts us. uh, We know that it is wrong, but eventually we say, oh, even other people are doing then uh, sometimes we try to justify certain kinds of sin, certain kinds of uh, secret sins by saying uh, that it is okay because of my circumstances, because of my circumstances and conditions, it is okay to commit this sin. Just think about our faithful Abraham 
who through want of faith almost lost lost his wife Sarah or think about Moses the meekest of men who was excluded from the land of promise for a passionate word yes the wisdom of solomon was seduced to bow down to idols and this is the nature of presumptuous sins it's very dangerous for believers and sometimes we struggle with many secret sins we ourselves uh, struggle with many secret sins there are sins uh, which we know but others do not know then there are kind of sins uh, which we try to ignore uh, or which we don't know that it is really a sin but others see it and they say brother or sister maybe you should consider this you are sinning or uh, you are living in sin then there are kind of sins uh, which we ignore and even people in our culture particular culture we ignore because we are kind of blind to it but god knows it but god sees through it and here the david asks in verse 12 who can understand his errors we can understand our errors by listening to god's voice in scripture and that's why we should read and meditate on his law on his law day and night romans 3:20 says that through the law comes the knowledge of sin through the law of god comes the knowledge of sin and not only the law gives us the knowledge of all our sin but it also points us to savior who alone can cleanse us from our sins law shows our sins it, it points uh, us to our errors but that's not the only purpose of law the law also points us to savior law shows us that without christ uh, we are helpless we are inadequate we cannot uh, help us in galatians chapter 3 verse 24 paul shows us that the law was a tutor to bring us to christ we come to christ conf- confessing our sins and helplessness and we ask him to save us from our sins and we trust in his power to save us and he does save us some says uh, cleanse me from secret faults keep back from uh, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins let them not have dominion over me then i shall be blameless and i shall be innocent of great transgression we come to god uh, uh, through christ and in him we are found blameless and as believers we can ask god that god this is uh, my secret sin i confess my sin perhaps others do not know about this sin but i know my own sin lord i confess my sins and i bring these sins to you uh, make me new transform me let them not let these sins not have dominion over me Amen. and this is the only way we could prevent sin from having dominion over us there are people who are under the dominion of porn secretly watch porn and this is kind of a epidemic in certain uh, in certain places and uh, in certain uh, families there are other kind of sin which nobody knows only people in the family knows mm-hmm. but here the david is crying out uh, save me from secret sins let uh, sins let them not not have dominion 
over me. You confess your sins, acknowledge your helplessness, and trust in the power of God to save you, to redeem you, and avail the means of grace which God has appointed for you. The response of the psalmist to God's voice and na- God's voice in nature and scripture is to keep himself from sin and be blameless in the sight of a holy God. He pointed his uh, readers, he pointed uh, us to God's voice in nature and in scripture. And what is the re- response of psalmist in the end? His response is, his response is, Lord, keep me from sin. Keep me from sin and let me be blameless in the sight of you. Let me be blameless in your sight. And may this be our New Year resolution. This be our resolution for this new year as we enter into this new year. And let us say with the psalmist, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. May Lord make us willing to obey him, to hear his voice and to uh, hear his voice and to do his will. May we live for his glory. May we live for uh, his glory in this new, this new year. And may, may we bring much uh, joy to our great God of heaven and earth who speaks, who speaks through, through what he has made and also who speaks through his word. And in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for speaking to us from your word. Well, Lord, uh, what an awesome and wonderful God uh, you are. Because you are not like the gods of the nations uh, who neither speaks, uh, neither hears, and uh, who can neither save people from their misery. But Lord, you are a God who saves us, who saves us from all our sins, uh, even our secret sins. Uh, Oh Lord, who can stand before you if you mark our iniquity? But Lord, we uh, thank you. We are grateful to you and uh, we bless you and worship you because you are kind to us and uh, good to us because you have loved us with an everlasting, everlasting love. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of sins which we have in Christ Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for your spirit uh, who indwells us. Well, Lord, we pray as uh, we pray that uh, this new year that you would uh, continue to work in us and that uh, we would continue to bring glory to your name. We would bring much glory and honor and joy to you and to your name. And we pray that uh, as your people, uh, we would grow in the knowledge of our Savior and we would draw many people to your, toward your kingdom. We ask this prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you were blessed by this sermon, we invite you to visit us at abqreformed.org where you'll find more information about our ministry. 
We look forward to you joining us again, online or in person. Until then, may peace, comfort, and grace be given to you through our Lord Jesus Christ.